We've been in a series of sermons covering John 13 through 17. And these chapters cover only one evening and stretching into the night. But that one evening and night is just but a tiny wrinkle in time. But it sent ripples on into eternity that we're still talking about today. We find Jesus in John 16 just hours away from being arrested, tried, tortured, and killed. But rather than fixating on himself, he's instead concerned for his disciples. And he's concerned for you, Christian. This series we've called Final Words because it contains Jesus' final teachings to his disciples prior to his death. The 13th chapter, if you were with us, you'll remember, was the foot washing. It's kind of an introductory act to the speech itself. And then next week, we'll look at the last section, John 17, which is a prayer. That'll be Easter. It'll be a wonderful way to enjoy this ending of this section together. I hope you'll bring someone with you who doesn't know Christ. Perhaps they'd be willing to come on a Sunday they wouldn't normally as we look at this great prayer together. But today, we come to the conclusion itself to Jesus' speech. John chapter 16, verses 25 to 33. If you don't have a Bible, underneath the seat in front of you is one that looks like this. And if you want to pull that out, on page 526 is where we'll be. In that Bible, page 526. Jessica Oakes, who is uh, one of our deacons, is going to come read for us. Thank you, Jessica. Pull it straight out. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father." His disciples said, ah, now you're speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, for sure. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Thank you. Mine doesn't have that for sure. (laughs) Um, Every memorable book has a solid uh, conclusion. And the conclusion's function is to take everything that's been said in the book and re-say it in a memorable way and then tell us what to do with what we've learned. That's exactly what Jesus does in this final section of this great speech. He takes chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, restates it, and then tells us what to do. And so my joy today is to try to do the same thing. And I hope that you're encouraged as as I have been. If you look in verse 25, the first phrase 
Jesus says, I have said these things to you. And then again in verse 33, the exact same thing. I have said these things to you. These identical sayings or phrases form a frame around this picture that Jesus paints for us in this conclusion. And the focus of this picture is particularly on the truth and power of Jesus' words. Brothers and sisters, there is nothing more important than what Jesus says. What God says is true. We can count on it. It is sure. And this morning we'll consider the very heart of what Jesus said. Let's think about two things this morning together from this text. The first thing is the first paragraph, and I could summarize it in this way. The essence of Christianity is a loving relationship with God. The essence of Christianity is a loving relationship with God. Friends, it's easy to be confused about what Christianity is, about what the very root of the Christian faith is all about. Now, that confusion is partly caused by what we might call external things. It's true that one church says this while another says that. One denomination says this while another denomination says that. That causes or contributes to some confusion about what Christianity is. But the vast majority of the confusion doesn't come from externals. It comes from what we might call internal things. You see, we are people who turn inward on ourselves because of our sinfulness. And that inwardness causes us to attempt to fashion a god or gods after our own liking. And therefore, we are all kinds of confused when it comes to spiritual things. So we find ourselves wondering, is Christianity mainly a, a set of ethics to live by? Or is Christianity mainly something we do when we get together on Sunday morning? Is Christianity stopping bad things and starting better things? Is it earning the favor of God by being better than somebody else? Is it rituals or is it something you're born into as a kid? Is it just one more opinion in a vast array, a sea of opinions about spiritual things of which we can not have any certainty at all? What is it? This can be rather maddening internally because human beings are fallen and we are in a state of folly in our thinking. We've universally traded the truth about God for lies, which causes all kinds of fogginess in our heads about spiritual truth. You have experienced this, and so has everyone else you will ever meet. But thankfully, Jesus is crystal clear about truth. Thankfully, Jesus says this is the very root of what Christianity is. And he tells us today in one paragraph, Christianity is the truth that people can be in right relationship with God, and it's a relationship marked by love. 
Now, where am I getting all of that? Well, it's one simple phrase in verse 27. It says, for the Father himself loves you. That's the root. That's the essence. That's the meat of biblical Christianity. Being loved by the Father personally, intimately, eternally. Loved by God. Brothers and sisters, hear what Jesus is saying. God has accepted you. The Father loves you. Church, He is our Father and we are His sons and daughters because He is for us, because He has given Himself to us. We have a hope in Him that is sure, that will last forever. This Pure, holy, perfect, all-powerful God who is the creator of all things says he loves us and that we are his. This means, of course, that we need never question his intentions toward us. We need never fear his damning wrath come against us again because he savingly loves us. Christian, God loves you. Now, how is this possible? Well, make no mistake, what we often hear today in the broader culture, that God is love and therefore God doesn't care about sin and he loves everyone exactly the same. Friends, that is not true. God is just. God does care about sin and God must deal with sin. It's also not that God just thinks we've somehow made ourselves acceptable to him by our own strength, through our own merit, and that that is why God loves us. Oh no, Christian, you are loved by God because you are united to Christ. You are loved by God because you love Jesus, and Jesus loves you, and the Father loves Jesus. And therefore, if you love Jesus and Jesus loves you and you're united to Jesus, then the Father loves you. <laughs> but that's what Christianity is. It's not what you do. It's what Jesus has done. We love because God first loved us. And we are loved by the Father because we now love Jesus. You are in a relationship with God, Christian, because Jesus lived the perfect life of obedience you are required to live but didn't. And Jesus died the death you deserve to die but didn't. That's it. That is the root. That is the essence. That is the essential nature of the Christian faith. This is the gospel. All of that is what Jesus has been saying over and over in lots of different ways to his disciples in that room and then walking towards that garden in John 13, John 14, John 15, John 16. And Christians have been saying it ever since. And we can never hear it enough. 
Jesus' dominant point is simply get connected to me. Love me, trust me, believe me, put your faith in me. Give up your own efforts and rest fully, completely, finally in me. And the Father himself loves you. With all of that in mind, let's just read 27 and 28 again. Would you do it out loud with me? For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God and I came from the Father and have come into the world. And now I'm leaving the world and going to the Father. Now, brothers and sisters, this relationship with God is so sure that if you look closely at this paragraph, what Jesus says is after my death and resurrection, in that day, in that hour, you'll be able to ask me for anything. But then he stops. He says, but don't misunderstand me. It's not simply that you can talk to me physically. Oh, no. It's way better than that. It's that because you love me, because I died and rose again, you are welcome right into the very presence of the Holy Father. Friends, it's that the curtain of the temple is torn. And where no one could go before, except one time a year, one person because he'd been cleansed by God, now all of us can go at any moment, wherever we are, whatever we've done, because we love Jesus Christ. That's Christianity. That is incredible. I loved my God like that. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, you are offered a real, genuine, true, authentic, historically verified, supernatural relationship, full of love with God. If you would but turn from sin and embrace Christ, you would be welcome with the Father. We would love if you'd hang around and ask someone near you to tell you more. This is the most important thing you'll ever hear. Now that's the first summary statement that Jesus brought. The second is grounded in the first. It's that this relationship with God provides believers with undefeatable peace. Friends, without Jesus, there is no peace. Without the truth that Jesus speaks, There is no peace. Look at verse 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus in his grace is saying, I've told you, disciples, throughout this evening, over and over and over again, in many different ways, using many different metaphors, 
that there is peace fully and finally and only in me, and you have it. It is yours. You're going to doubt it. You're going to question it. You're going to run. You're going to struggle. But in me, the reality is you have peace. It is yours. It's the ability to sit down on the inside eternally, regardless of what's going on externally. Doesn't that sound absolutely delightful? Brothers and sisters, being in a relationship with God means that we've been reconciled to Him. And if that relationship is right, then it doesn't matter if everything else is wrong. Because the most important thing is right. And being right with God ensures that we can face anything and everything with a rock-solid internal confidence that there is peace. Internal peace can't be defeated by external pressures. Peace with God brings a stabilization that nothing in the world can shake. This peace is not based on present circumstances. It's not based on the condition of our lives in this world, but our, on our secure position in Jesus, where we are held by God, loved by the Father forever. This undefeatable peace remains solid even when everything else is liquid. Just listen to the way Paul put this in Romans 8. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not graciously give us? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who can condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, he was raised. Who's at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulations or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for all sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor debt, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus. Amen. Wow. That's the conclusion to Jesus' speech. Now, what does the conclusion do? It summarizes what's been said, and it tells us what to do with it. Verse 33 tells us what to do with what Jesus has said. If I draw it out, then what Jesus is saying to us this morning, brothers and sisters, Church on Mill, is let's marvel 
at God's love. Let's be amazed. This is a love that remains steadfast. Even when our faith itself is immature. When Jesus said in verse 25, the hour's coming, and then again in verse 26, in that day, he was explaining to his disciples that coming up in a couple of days after my death and resurrection, and then even more 40 days after that when the Holy Spirit comes and indwells you, then you will finally, completely, fully understand everything I've been saying to you. The disciples' reaction to that was, ah, now we understand. It it was an arrogant self-reliance. And Jesus' gracious response was, you don't even understand that your faith, though you have it, is not yet mature. And so when I'm arrested, you're going to scatter in fear. But take heart. I think this is one of the most hilarious, astonishing, ironic things Jesus ever said. Christian, if you're here today and you have doubts and you feel shaky and you're not so sure, you can marvel at the love of God because the Christian faith is built on the truth. And that truth was compelled and shared with the world through a a group of men who had immature faith. Even if your faith is immature, God will hold you fast as he brings you to a mature faith because he loves you. The fickleness of imperfect faith is no match for the faithfulness of the Father. And so Jesus says, let's be bold because Jesus is victorious. Jesus has overcome the world. The world, the flesh, the devil are imperfect battles to obey. All evil have been conquered by the death and resurrection of Christ. Therefore, right now, we need not fear the future, irrespective of what it might bring. Nor should we fear the past in anything that we've done that it might come up against us today. Because we love Jesus. We're held by Jesus. And therefore, we're welcome before the Father. Evil has lost. The debt of sin has been paid. Justice has been given. Suffering is momentary. We can face anything and everything in the power of Christ because we are loved by the Father.
Jesus is the victor. This works itself out in our lives. Just like parents, your experience of taking the training wheels off your kid's bicycle. Sure, he or she she rode it for a long time with those training wheels and was real steady and confident. And then you reach that moment where the kid's saying, I'm ready, I'm ready, take it off, take them off, take them off. So you take them off. And your child, you hold on for a moment and then you let go. And what happens? They, They go for a little bit and they're cheering and you're cheering and then Now, 20 years ago, nobody wore helmets, so there was a bloody head. Today, everybody wears helmets. So there's a bloody knee and a bloody arm. And then what did you do? You ran and you picked the child back up and you hugged and you held him or her as she cried. And then you put him back on the bike. You said, go again. That is exactly what our Heavenly Father is doing with us as we struggle to grow up in our faith. May we stand up and be bold, be courageous, be daring. Ride that bike because Jesus will hold us fast. He is victorious. He is the victor. We are loved by the Father forever. Pray with me. Father, what a tremendous passage we have considered this morning together. May we just be silent before you for a moment and consider the impact of this on our lives. Father, we thank you that the truth is that the very essence, the very root of faith, of Christian truth, is that we are loved by the Father. And we're loved by the Father not because of anything that we have done or haven't done in and of ourselves, and not because our sinfulness doesn't matter, but because we love Jesus and Jesus died for us in our place and has given us his right standing with you. Therefore, our sin is exchanged and his life is given to us and we are now together, even today, welcome in the presence of you. And so we come in prayer with tremendous joy, thanking you that you will hold us fast. And we pray, Father, if there are any persons here today who have yet to trust Christ, that even now as I pray, they would turn from sin and turn to you. In Jesus' name.